Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome to Claret Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowlandson. I'm joined by Matt Kendrick and James Rushton above me, up there somewhere. Um, thanks to everyone for listening in this afternoon or this evening tonight. Oh, I'm all over the place already. It's a great start to the podcast. Uh, Newcastle one, Villa one. I was all I was prepared to say Newcastle nil, Villa one. All sorts going on. Um, Weird game. First eighty minutes, boring. <laughs> Last thing you want to win. wasn't. I was getting ready to come on in, but yeah, Nick to win. Undeserved. Don't care. Let's just take it. Three points, massive. Let's move on. And now I've got to reset and talk about a, a boring draw again. Do you want to do any spoilers for your dad, James, in case he hasn't caught up yet? <laughs> oh yeah. So before we we came on the recording, my dad called me and we was talking. He goes, oh, "I know you got to do the podcast, but just our oh, Villa have just scored." I'm ten minutes, I'm a few minutes behind, so it's about now that Newcastle have just scored on his recording, and he was really happy. So <sighs> tough, tough luck. Yeah, so if you hear that loud banging in the Sutton Coalfield area, that's, <laughs> that's James's dad sticking his sticking his foot through the door. Um, so like like Villa fans across across the land and across the world tonight, because it was, I think a draw was fair, wasn't it? Over yeah, the just, um, a, just a nothing game. Play. It was just flat, wasn't it? Just tepid, yeah. really. It was just. Aston Villa without Jack Grealish again, which you know it's something that's going to become a common common theme. Yeah, because we just don't. You know, I know we conceded in the in the dying throes of the game, but I don't think defensively we looked that troubled. You know, I think yeah. Newcastle even even probed and pushed quite a lot in their first half, and we stood up stood up quite strong to it. But attacking wise, we just just devoid of ideas, aren't we, in creativity, and it's. Um, it, it, it's becoming becoming a real issue now. How do we fix that without Jack James? If we're with him without him for however longer, much longer it is. Um, again, we've heard all that. Oh, well, you know, might be back for here, might be back for there. And then it's oh, well, he probably would have been back this week when he was ill. Like, that sounds like an excuse to me. If he is back next week, then obviously this talking point is redundant. But if he's not, how do we improve without Jack Grealish? Just need to be as instinctive as Jack Grealish is. You know, there's too many, too much second guessing going on in the defence. I think Tyron Mings played like a ball back in Al Muhammad. He didn't even. He was like, "Oh, should I run for that?" He's like, "Yeah, you should be instinctive. Go for it." And Ross Barkley and uh, Watkins had the break. Make the pass. Make the pass first time. Don't think about it. You, you, you guys are, you know, you, you're playing for a top ten Premier League side. Go for it. Be instinctive. With Jack Grealish, you are. We are fluid and instinctive. Without him in attack, too much. It's like too much pondering. Too much fi- trying to figure it out. It's not as fluid anymore. And um, unless players are willing to gamble on being instinctive, it's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be stuff like that because, look, you saw how dangerous we could be on a break. We were clean, clean through, right at the death um, because of second guessing, because of fiddling around with the chance too much. Nothing happens and we end the result not 2-0 up. We're at 1-1. You know, it created the, the rod for our own back. So it's really, really, really frustrating. And all we can do is keep going on and on through this process, I guess, because things don't change quickly in football, do they? 
We've talked a lot of positive things about Ollie Watkins on this podcast, and there's a lot of comments coming through tonight saying that how poor he was, how, how often he gave the ball away, how often he couldn't trap the ball. Um, somebody said that the, even the goal was just it just hit off him, which I think is a little bit unfair. I actually think it's a good header that um, obviously it's deflected in, but it's good movement to get down there. Whatever is he as bad as people are saying in the comments, or is it just one one bad game or a couple of bad games? Is he in a bad game? I don't even know. <laughs> I think he was poor. I think he was poor tonight. Obviously, you know he's played better in recent weeks and not got the goal. Wasn't everybody though? It looks like the dubious goals committee won't give him that either, and that'll go to um, go to Kieran Clark giving it the old Evo Stas. Um, <laughs> but I, I did. I did think he was poor. I thought. I thought that the ball was kind of bouncing off him. I thought he he, he couldn't get it under control. I mean, I think we should cut him some slack because yeah, he's had a fairly kind of lonely slog of a of a few weeks, hasn't he? Really, without without Jack Grealish. Um, so yeah, I think he was below his usual standards, but he wasn't he wasn't the only one, was he? You know, he looked, yeah. the first the first half, you know, Newcastle kind of dominated Villa at times, didn't they? And pegged them back, and you thought this is a Newcastle team that are kind of you know hovering above the trapdoor of, of, of relegation. You know, nobody likes the manager up there. Nobody likes the, the owner up there. These infighting and civil war at the training ground. And yet they're coming out and kind of pinning us back. And, you know, Joe Linton's turned into kind of Alan Shearer and started bullying Tyrone Mings. You're thinking, what kind of parallel universe is this? And you just think, <laughs> we know Jack Grealish is important. We know he sets the tone. We know he, he inspires those around him. But you're all professional footballers. You know, you're all highly paid athletes who are well drilled in your jobs you've got to just stand up and be better than it you know and listen Villa got does that take us how many points is that 41 is it or something so yeah so we don't need to kind of be be too doom and gloom because you know the point that we got at Newcastle last season was very very important um that one we can just kind of stick it in the back pocket and just just move on but it's, it's not just tonight's performance, is it? It's Villa's struggle to score goals. I, mean, mm-hmm. I know, James, I should really be saving the stats for AVC, AVFC Extra because it's not more, normally my domain, but nine goals in 13 games now, you know, that's, that's more in keeping with a Paul Lambert season in the Premier League or mm-hmm. a, you know, a, an Alex McLeish season in the Premier League. And I know, I know that our, our figures are slightly inflated by smacking seven past Liverpool and so on and three at Arsenal early in the season. But that, that those strutting performances seem a distant memory now, don't they? Yeah, um, as you know, I was thinking if this match goes nil nil, that Sheffield United Wolves Newcastle, where you, you haven't scored a goal, and yeah, you may have looked like scoring a goal, but you haven't actually scored one. As you know, it's like the actual goals that that do matter to to us fans. But the the attack inside of Villa's game, I was thinking, you know, if you tuned in of the, as as a neutral, thinking all oh, all season people have been going on about Villa being this fluid attacking team, you know this really bright spark. If you'd have watched that, you'd be like, "What really is it? Is this what attacking football is? Is this the the fluidity that I've been, I've been promised?" No, nah, they're they're, uh, they're having a, a bit of a slump at the moment. But look, like like all slumps should end at some point, whether that's when Jack Grealish comes back, as it should do, or or beforehand. But right now, it just looks like they're really struggling with those uh, attacking decisions. So. Something needs to change. Whether that's the players themselves be better at making the decisions, or a formation change, or roles being changed, I don't think there's a quick fix for this. Bar one of the best players in the world coming back into the team, but that's that's the position we're in. 
Yeah. What do we listen? I don't think we will fix it in an instant while Jack Grealish no. is out of the team. But I don't want to be too look too too far ahead. But it's got to be recruitment, hasn't it? Because we know that we need a centre forward um, to who can score goals uh, and not just be a presence as we've got with 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 Keenan Davies. But we also need we need somebody to be what Ross Barkley hinted at being a few months ago and to have that kind of attacking verb and energy, you know, as the, you know, as the link man between, between the kind of defensive unit and, and attack. And I don't think we've got that. Well, it's wasn't, pretty wasn't clear that we haven't got that within our ranks at the moment. Isn't that supposed to be John McGinn? <laughs> Wish I had an answer for you because he's on the pitch and he's, you know, every play's good or bad. It doesn't really affect anything. Um, but again, it still comes down to that, that last chance we had for me. You know, we we, yeah. we could have been clean, clean, clean through, and we should have been. And it's just too much prattling around and not taking the chance. And you know, we scored the hard, or probably the hardest chance we had, like which which is unbelievable. Ollie Watkins low header in off Kieran Clark's, and you know, when we we clean through and go, I know Debravka is fine of a keeper as he is, should be making a fist of that, a real, real fist of that when we are three on one or three on two. It's it's madness. Like you mentioned earlier, just about uh, you know alternative reality that that we seem to be living in. <clears throat> I felt like I fell asleep for the first eighty odd minutes of the game. It was so dull. It's just I don't know what it is. Sometimes uh, yeah, like this poor place to be saying it on a Villa podcast full of Villa fans. But I was just I was like you said uh, at the start. I felt like I was on my phone more often than not. I cheese mm. board this evening. I felt like I was dipping into that. It's more about you though, Dan. Don't yeah, really, I know yeah. that. But I wasn't bad <laughs> at the time, to be honest. <laughs> But, but football is an entertainment thing. I want to be entertained by what I'm seeing. And tonight, the whole first half was just boring. I don't know what the point of anything we tried to do was. I felt like I woke up at 80th minute and Kieran Clark scores for Villa. And I feel like I've transported back to 2013. It's just it's just weird. It's just a weird game. And even when we scored and after the equaliser, there was nothing. I didn't really feel anything. Is that just be great if we weren't transported back to 2010 because Andy Carroll had just bullied Kieran Clark and scored <laughs> yeah. a hat trick and then lost six nil. Um, but I think it's what James it was what James was getting at before that it's so predictable and kind of robotic yeah. and there's, there's not there's nothing off the cuff. And listen, that predictable kind of robot roboticness is that a word that that yeah. helps defensively because you're rigid and you're solid and you and you you know you you're disciplined, but that doesn't work in attacking areas. You've got to stretch teams. You've got to turn teams. You, you've got to get balls balls into into forward areas before they're set. But it, like James says, if you're plotting and you, you're second guessing yourself and you're doubting yourself, taking a, a an extra touch, Premier League teams will be able, will be wise to that. Will be able to stop set up to stop that. Um, I don't know. Listen, it's we're at, we're at a bit of a crossroads, aren't we? I was trying I was trying to think of an analogy earlier about how we've flatlined and the only thing I can think of the only thing I can think of and it would require another peak at the end of the season you know Hello Kitty's ears where they go sharp sharp points and then it gets flat and then a sharp point again and I think we've got to the flat part of Hello Kitty's head I've had had you mean not the double cut of Combrero I was just going to say how much have you had to drink tonight not enough yeah um 
We've talked, I mean, somebody in the comments as we started this, literally just as we started, saying, oh, I love watching the podcast. It always makes me feel better about it again. I feel like I've just slumped into my chair more and more as we've gone on. Ten minutes in, I'll feel more depressed than ever. Um, there's a lot of talk about plan B, plan A, what Dean Smith tactics, what, what are Villa trying to do, what are they without Jack Grealish, et cetera, et cetera. First of all, James, is there such thing as a plan B in football anyway, or are you just supposed to be playing to set, you know, not the set way all the time, but Dean Smith's got a style of play he wants to play. You don't just switch that up and, and try plan B for the sake of it. But clearly when things aren't going right, there must be some kind of tactical now to think let's change it somehow. But I'm not a football manager and Dean Smith is, so surely I have to trust the process of what's going on. Yeah, I think th- those words you mentioned, trust the process is key. Look, we don't want to pull out that. Days, but... It's a, a well-used word, uh, particularly by Arsenal fans. But again, I think it goes <laughs> it goes for us. Um, trust the process. We are moving in the right direction in general. It's been a wobble. Like the journey for Villa has not been straight. But you look at last for three or four years, the progress we've made has been incredible. It's just this slump now that we have to have to arrest, and I think that brings out the, the Plan B stuff. Um, I saw a really, really interesting interview. Um, I, f- I forgot the bloke's name. It's the MK Don's was manager. Me, was it me talking to Steve Hunt? That one. <laughs> no, no, no one's watched that, mate. But he <laughs> mentioned that, why would I have a plan B to kind of nick the odd three points here and there? Um, when Russell Martin. Russell Martin, when we're set on an identity and playing a certain way and getting better at that certain way of playing. So why would I change it? If you're outcome-based... You know, you are swinging to and fro. You're, you're swinging your path to and fro based on, you know, games against Newcastle, which are dodgy games against, you know, Wolves and Sheffield and you games where you haven't got your key player. You're swinging your outcome all over and, uh, you know, disrupting the journey you're on. But I do get the fact that situationally, when you're playing against Newcastle and they're chucking, you know, nine men forward into your box in a 90th minute and you're not clearing your lines, it's less of a plan B. You just need to adapt to that exact situation, which is something Villa very clearly failed to do today. Stunned into silence, lads. I thought Matt was going to say something. <laughs> you know, I asked this last week on Twitter when I had a drink on a Friday night. Why does, why oh, does beer taste better out of a can and out of a bottle? Is there uh... something chemical in it? Because... Coca-Cola, for me, tastes better out of a glass bottle than it does out of a can. Yeah. But these little kind of craft beers that are kind of easing me into the weekend, they taste much better out of a can than a bottle. I'm drinking out of a bottle, though. I prefer this out of a bottle. Can you get Corona in a can? Probably not. Well, you can get Corona all sorts (laughs) of ways these days. Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I agree to a certain extent. I think some. I think cider is better out of a bottle than out of a can. Cool. Yeah. Well, anyway, what were you saying about football? Uh, oh, it's a lot know. of lot of call for um, Louis Barry just to. Um, oh, is there though? So I, I don't disagree necessarily. I just think the last three games Villa have played have been teams fairly pragmatic in different kind of ways. You know, Louis Barry and especially Ollie Watkins, like Thrive running off the shoulder. I was thinking today, how much space would Louis Barry have to run off into against Newcastle playing that line like four centimetres? Like, you know, they're not playing like it's not like Liverpool who are like pressing you up the other end of the pitch. So, 
the reason there, there are reasons why we struggle to break down these teams because we thrive on that break. As you saw at the end, you know, our best chance is that break and against teams who are willing to play their, you know, that attacking game. We ain't gonna have that much luck. I, th- I think um Barry brings some unpredictability and some some raw potential, I guess. But despite Ollie Watkins being a young striker, he's clearly more experienced. He's struggling at the moment because of the system we play and because of that lack of creativity, the lack of confidence. Someone just said that Dean Smith says that we lack confidence going forward. Um I don't I don't think the the, the the personnel is the problem up front. I think it could be Watkins or any other and we'd still be struggling to to put those chances away because we're not we're not putting ourselves into those 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 areas, I think. Yeah, there's like almost no you, space against these teams for a player like Barry to I, I think it's a bench option, why not? There's Yeah, for a few minutes, but he's not know, gonna suddenly start winning Villa games no, as a seventeen year old. They're it's just not physically ready, I don't think. No, it's when you want from Villa though, isn't it? Do we want Villa to Want Villa to think well. Sweet spot. The Venn diagram that works for us is that you've got that little bit where Villa are accumulating points every week, but that it crosses that bit where they're being entertaining. Now, I'm yeah. not sure Villa are capable of both of those things without Jack Grealish. So, oh, yeah. will a successful end to the season? Will it be that Villa adopt a bolder approach and try and? You know, throw caution to the wind a little bit more, even if it means that they kind of win one and lose two. Or will it have to be this kind of stodgy kind of you know let's let's be let's be grown up and professional about this and and keep keep accumulating those points because you know unless Villa crack into into Europe, the differences between the league placings is not going to make or break them financially. Yeah, but I can't. I can't see. I think we're going to be. I think we're going to be stuck with this, to be honest. And I still think with the players that, that Dean Smith's got and the, and the system that they play, I think if there is confidence in there and they do start kind of throwing off the shackles a little bit more, then we could still see some entertainment. But I don't think Smith's going to. He's not the type of bloke. Is he doesn't he doesn't swing from one thing to the next and, and make that massive changes. Like I mentioned Lambert earlier, Lambert would kind of change from one week to the next, you know, yeah. go along one week and then he'd go and watch Pep Guardiola's Barcelona training and he'd start Brad Guzan and, and, and Alan Hutton playing one-twos on the edge of the box. <laughs> Smith's got a way of playing and he doesn't deviate from that very often at all. I still don't think he will. Um, so we just we just need need one of these Jack Grealish injury updates to uh, actually deliver some positive news, don't we? Be true. What is going on with these injury updates, man? I said, you know, I tweeted earlier, it's a kind of masterclass in GDPR. The way that they're um, <laughs> refusing to to break the, that, that confidentiality clause about Jack Grealish's his health. Um, but I don't know. Villa can do do as they please and the manager and, and the way they communicate can, can do as they please. And I understand in a kind of mind games, you know, psychological kind of Way why they don't want to show their hands to to opposition managers and and forthcoming opponents, but you know just just come clean, just tell us tell us how serious it is all otherwise, and give us give us an idea of what we've got to look forward to or not look forward to. Um, I don't know, perhaps that's just me being too needy uh, and wanting. Please tell us something. Please tell us. <laughs> um, 
people in the comments saying Gareth Barry was ready as a kid, Wayne Rooney played in the Premier League at 17, etc., etc. These these one these names that get popped up that oh he was ready. Is that a fair argument for the Lou Barry thing to say? Well, if they're good enough, they're they're old enough. Stick him on the bench, can't you? Yeah, what, I think... yeah, but that's not what people are saying. People are saying, "Oh, start games, play two up top, and we'll start we'll start winning." It's not. Don't think easy, it's Ollie Watkins's fault though. That. That, yeah, that's what I was, that was my point. You know what I mean? That's where that's where I agree. Like Louis Barry is a bench option, why not? But I, what's what what's Ollie Watkins not doing that Louis Barry's just gonna go, all right, I'm gonna do it. Yeah. Which he's been injured, hasn't he? That, that's the thing that, that in well, in recent weeks anyway, he's been injured, which is why he's not been involved. Yeah, maybe he should be on the bench, but oh, I don't know. At this point, part of me just feels like I don't care. Because Yeah. I don't think people are saying forget the European spot and all that kind of thing, and I I tend to agree. I don't I don't think we're good enough to make that step up. You can't. I know you can't just throw it away and throw away optimism. Yeah. But we're not we're not going to go down. We're probably not going to get into Europe. So it feels like things are just fizzling out a little bit. Yeah, yeah I know. I saw um I saw um what I, who I think is one of Villa's shrewdest social media commentators the other day, Alex Bowick, um, who's. He's done blogs and stuff for us before, and I always kind of think he's a really good barometer of critical when you need to be critical, but, you know, bigger picture, wider context, stuff like that. And, you know, he made the, the really valid point that if Villa would have done this season in reverse and we'd have had a really sticky, stodgy start to the season and then all of a sudden we'd have kind of, you know, battered Arsenal, battered Liverpool and done it like that, then... Obviously, it would have been look, looked at differently. So, uh, you know, over the course of the season, Villa will be safe. They won't. We won't get relegated this season. We'll have made progress from last season. So, that's success. Well, that's that's progress in that way. But it's this ex- expectations now. This is why. And you know, we've we've been dug out a couple of times saying, "Yeah, but are we not allowed?" You know, we crap fans if we slag off a performance. Of course, you're allowed to slag off a performance. And I thought tonight's performance was was pretty dire to be honest, pretty flat and pretty pretty desperate, but it's kind of I don't know what is the real villa? Is mm. it the villa that were were playing with this swagger early in the season? Is it this one that seems devoid of ideas and 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 lacking confidence, creativity? I think it's somewhere in the middle. Um but it, we te- we seem to kind of lurch from from one to the next. Um why is that? Can you, is there anything you can put that down to? One minute you're looking at players and thinking, oh, that's, that, that look like world beaters, they can do anything, and then the next minute they can barely string a pass together. Why does that happen? I don't know, they're human, I suppose. And, you know, they're not. They're, not, yeah, they're still Aston Villa, newly promoted, or one season in the Premier League. Players, lots of them, very good players, very good players with potential, with, you know, sell-on potential or, or real kind of potential to, to be, be absolute superstars in the Premier League and stuff. But they're still... They're still new to it, you know. I don't want to just kind of um, point point to them for the sake of it. But look at look at the champions from last season who were absolutely been rolling teams over for the for the last couple of last couple of years, and you know they're still the same players. They're still still quality players. You know, take a couple of people out of their team, and and they look like a, a pale imitation. So yeah. I don't know. It's just it's just frustrating, isn't it? It's just frustrating. I mean, I suppose the good thing about it is, well. So either on a Friday night, it means that you can crack on with the rest of your weekend, or it means that it ruins, it ruins the rest of your weekend. Oh. I'm, not sure, I'm not sure where I am with that. It's interesting that you say that. There's a few comments saying in that, oh, I've ruined my weekend already, ruined it earlier than usual on a Friday night rather than a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday evening. Does it ruin your weekend? 
the Villa results if it's obviously if it's a bad one, or does it make your weekend if it's a good one? Just coming on here chatting to you ruins my weekend. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. I think this was ages ago now, wasn't it? When uh, Glenn Whelan scored for uh, scored for Stoke against us, and it, it just wrecked our season. I think you need to get over that early, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's just an example of it of it like ruining properly ruining like the week and yeah. I, when we had stuff to really 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 fight against not fight for but fight against like relegation or dropping out of the playoffs you know when we had something and, it, and then you don't get the result you want like you're fuming but I always still think like I had it in my head set on a, a certain position this season in a prediction hmm. so it's almost like I'm still floating around in this airy fairy like bonus zone going oh whatever and that's not the way the majority of obviously supporters feel um but i still think you know i'm still probably like deludedly like optimistic about everything that has gone on so i still can't let it just doesn't ruin my weekend anymore because it's not like last season where people just wanted you to say we're down just so they could kind of confirm it before it was actually confirmed because they wanted to kind of you know cut the cord with the premier league and just get it over with but didn't work like that, did it? We fought to the end, and it's a bit like thingy, isn't it, James? I don't know. It's a bit like um, what's coming here next, man? It's a bit like you know, in, you know, in Corrie, you know, in Coronation, where they just repeat the same plots all the time, and there's there's no really outstanding storyline. There's just kind of steady plots ticking along, and you you haven't got a kind of what was it, Pat Phelan, the big villain, a couple of a couple of years ago. Or, <laughs> Or Richard Hillman, who drew, drove a car into canal. We need some kind of cliffhangers, and we haven't got that. We haven't got that drama at the moment. So I think we're too that. young for Corrie, mate. We're too, young. we're too young to be watching Coronation Street. You joking? What do you what you don't watch Emma Dale, then? I don't watch any soaps, mate. Because I'm not a fifty year old man. I'm not a fifty year old man. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh. There's a comment here. I mean, it's a, such a common name, and it's made me laugh anyway. From Dean Smith on Facebook saying, Yeah, <laughs> yes, it ruins the weekend. I don't know whether that's the Dean Smith. If it is, mate, I'll crack on with your team talk. <laughs> yeah, mate, you, you've got some, you got more things on your plate than your weekend, buddy. Dean, when's um, Jack back? <laughs> yeah, if you can let us know, Dean, that'd be great. That'd oh, be the, great. the doctors aren't telling him, apparently. If that if Dean Smith on Facebook replies back with an injury update where you put it on screen and like we can tweet it and be like, Oh, Dean Smith says this and people will believe that. Um there's a few people saying, Yeah, it's it ruins a rare game. name as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's so rare. People say you wait all week for the game, so it ruins it. Someone else says it doesn't ruin it because there's more to life than football. Um someone says that you look like Pat Phelan. Again, don't watch Corey, <laughs> so I don't I don't understand the reference. If he's a bald man, then yes, there's a chance he looks like you. Um yeah, someone says, right. if football ruined football ruin my weekends for the last 10 years of my life would have been a right old misery. Uh, it doesn't bother me, really. Like you said, James, if there's something riding on it and you're going for a league title or about to be relegated, then yeah, obviously it's, it puts a right down on everything. But uh, drawing a game to Newcastle, yeah, it was a bit deflating the way it happened. But it's got us from 40 points to 41. We move on. I've pretty much already forgotten about it. Yeah, it's probably it's such a plastic, isn't you, Dan? You're supposed to be yeah. laying, laying on thick ends. People, <laughs> people in tears in the comments. Oh, here, oh, no, just... no, Dan, man, I'm going for a run and I might, might, have, a, I might have a curry tomorrow night, so I couldn't really care less, to be honest. I mean, I do care. I'm not saying I don't care about the results, because that's going to make me look look bad, but it just doesn't affect me in the way that I'm going, oh, it's going to ruin my weekend now on a Friday night. There's me, me and James here who are really feeling it, kind of really real, <laughs> real kind of everyman qualities, and there's you with your cheese board. <laughs> You're just... not there, are you? You're not really feeling it. You're exactly the same as me. Before we start this, you're going, know, I can't really bother to do this podcast. So don't you come on here and start saying that I'm not a proper fan. No, I've been anaesthetised by courtesy of vocations, pride and joy. Oh, okay, fair enough. 
Um, it's just a couple of things I, I also wanted to chuck in. Um, someone says, you guys have no emotions, no passion. Win, lose, or draw, you do is laugh. The worst Villa fans. I love you, not. UK. Oh yeah, you've got a sparkling personality, B6 UK. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, he wants passion. He wants passion. <laughs> if you want passion, I, you know, we go back through a guy's comments and if he's slagging off Alan Hutton, no passion there, is there? You know, it goes both ways. Um, well, well, move on. What I was going to mention, at the start of the game, or the punditry rather, they were talking about just a really annoying cliche that I hate. So I wanted to ask what your like worst football cliches were. I know there's a whole football cliche podcast out there that I've seen doing the rounds at the moment. But they, they talk about like uh, when Glenn Grealish is out, you expect more from the Barclays, the Trezeguets, the Traores, the Watkinses, the whoever's. They always, the Manchester Uniteds, the Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. You should be beating the Newcastles of this world and the Sheffield Uniteds of this world. That I don't know why that just really annoys me. I understand it if you're like, oh yeah, Barclays out, no, Grealish is out, so you expect the, the Barclays of the, of the Villa side to do more. I kind of understand that because it's like the attacking players to do more. If you're then going to list the rest of the side, just say Barclays to do more, Trezeguet to do more. I don't know why we pluralise names in punditry and commentary. Really annoying. <laughs> yeah, do that loads. <laughs> I was a bit disappointed that we didn't get our mate Darren Fletcher on there tonight. Yeah. Like, oh. I mean, don't really rate the Adam Summertons of this world. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it just annoys me. You know, you know, like what you've said before. You know, like in club statements when football clubs cap- capitalise club. Oh, don't get me started on that. <laughs> don't get me started on that. B six, B seven twenty four. I hate <laughs> the word club. That's oh. it to me. That to me, that's a nothing thing. So, like, we've all got these small little annoyances. So, I just wondered if you've got a football commentator's annoyance. I've got, I got, I got like two. But go on, one is it goes into this passion stuff and the ruining your weekend stuff, it's it's not necessarily commentators. It's more so like uh, new football media. And it's like just pretending to be so outraged by a, a football result, like the, the theatrics of losing to like, you know, Burnley and pretending and smashing stuff on camera. It's not, it's not, not how anyone reacts. The only time someone, yeah. so the only time I remember anyone actually smashing stuff at a football match was when me and my dad, when Blues came back to the Premier League and we looked, we, we got battered and uh, Malberg chucked the ball past Enkelman and it, and it went in and someone flipped the table in the, uh, the bell pub in Great Bar and I had to get carried out because I, it's my first football game. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was like, oh, how am I? I was 12. I, I, I was 12, 10, 10. Wow. So 10 years old, so I get, get smuggled out because it got a bit violent in there, to be fair. But it's just a fake outrage, and I think it dominates so much, so, so much of stuff right now. What are you eating, Matt? Galaxy. Oh, nice. Yeah, decent. I'll put a bit of product placement. We'll get me some freebie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bro. Um, <laughs> you don't need that, do you? Uh, there's a comment coming that I also agree with, and I say, I mean, this is probably... Our podcast description here, to be honest. Rich Law says, Dan, I don't like the repetitive comments such as Emmy's played every minute, Watkins runs everywhere, mm-hmm. Jack's missing, Consul Mings possibly for England. The last time we played Newcastle, there was a Diabolia fight. Uh, four more times today, we heard those kind of things. <laughs> I feel like everything social media related I've done today is that kind of stuff. So I'm probably guilty of the same thing. But yeah, you always hear that from the, the commentators and the pundits that don't know the club. So they'll always try out the same kind of lines. They'll that... always do the thing you want, they? they'll always do the. Dean Smith, whose dad used to work as a yeah. steward, uh, yeah. 
Well, they, they took a variation of the theme today, didn't they? About how, how Pat Hurd had him babysitting and took the uh, yeah. took the European Cup home. Uh, I just yeah. wish to throw random things in, like you know, look how crap his hair is tonight, and don't you think Matt Target's got a face a bit like someone's nan? Do you know what I mean? I just wish they'd kind of uh, vary vary it up a bit. Oh. It's all a bit kind of same, which is worse when the when the performance is same as well, and it's just yeah. all a bit flat and boring, like our podcast. Yeah, I've just snorted on the podcast. Uh, what about? I think that a, a few listeners would say Matt's uh, commentary is saying kind of every. Every four seconds. Also, there's a lot of mentions in the comments from like just looking around the room when he's talking or like having his head <laughs> in his hands. Who, mate? Yeah, we get that a lot sometimes. That's a good one from Adam Archer. Dan, it's the same as you saying Matt has no air in every podcast. Yeah. yeah. We say that every podcast. He's got a big fat bald head. I just want people to know. <laughs> Don't forget, there's some people that only listen to this. They might not know what Matt Kendrick looks like. So just imagine like a, a shaved owl. That's exactly what he looks imagine like. Pat, imagine, owl. imagine Pat Foon, isn't that a Corrie? <laughs> yeah. Circa 2016. Yeah. yeah. Are, we, are we done now? Because this is just this is more nonsense than ever. Yeah, there's actually one more bit of nonsense I just wanted to chuck in before we before we left. Um, I mentioned at some point, again on the commentary, they must have gone on Wikipedia for a little bit of info. It's Dean Smith's birthday next week and he's 50. Happy birthday. Um, oh, watching Corrie with me, wasn't he? <laughs> <Not> yeah. <laughs> 19th of March, I think it was. Um, if you had to buy Dean Smith a birthday present, what would you get him? Probably get him a new Facebook profile picture to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. A centre Jane. forward? Yeah, good. Good. Uh, yeah. Some, some private healthcare to use with the Villa players so we can know what's going on with them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, good. I wish I'd thought of an answer. But I haven't. What do you buy the man who's got everything? Yeah. A goldfish. Like he bought Barry Watkins. <laughs> Just give him a goldfish. Um, <laughs> There's a lot um, of good comments coming in actually about creative midfielder, which is a yeah, is a clone a of Jack Grealish. <laughs> I'm a fan of that. Um, so I knew someone was going to say a plan B. <laughs> yeah, plan B. People yeah, yeah, I'll keep your for what uh, Dean Smith will get for for Christmas, uh, his birthday. Oh, yeah, let's just get out of here. Um, <laughs> we say plan B. I'm glad we got, got, got Joe and Lange now to get him an actual plan B rather than Sue. So he might have got him the actor come musician plan B. Yeah, <laughs> just turned up. <laughs> Do you think he looked a bit like Stephen Gerrard? <laughs> no, come off, well, man. That's more like you. Who plan B? Yeah, or Sue, sir. Yeah, yeah, you've got a bit of plan B about yeah, twenty years ago. Do you reckon? Yeah, yeah, bald head. Mine's more like plan plan OAP. (laughs) Plan Z. I'm calling it a day there. Yeah. Um, Thank you very much for all those who tuned in live on Facebook or YouTube this evening, and uh, thanks to everyone who watched this after the fact. If you're watching this not live, I don't know what you get out of this, to be honest. Surely the fun of these is the live element and chatting along with us. I don't know whether this nonsense resonates two or three days after the game or not. Yeah, can you cut this bit out just telling people not to bother watching it after the event? <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying. Well, if they've already listened to this part, then they've already listened to it anyway, so it doesn't matter. But thank you for watching and do come back next time. We do appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, thanks to Matt and Jones for joining me, as always. Uh, Adam says, there you go, Dan, Matt's bald head mentioned again. I just can't resist. Every time I look at him, I just have to mention it. It's just His head's so perfectly round. Don't you think, Jones? There's a lot of pork chop this pork discussions as well in the comments. What have you done to this podcast, man? No. Well, I'm going to go and have a pork chop in the bath. <laughs> yeah, let's get out of here. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. <laughs>
Oh, I'm just ending it. I'm not even saying goodbye anymore. This is it. <laughs> just <laughs> Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, up the villa. Up the villa.